Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to still managerless, heart of Melodian. I don't have anything else to add in terms of an intro this week. I'm not going to try and be clever, Mark, because it usually doesn't work and I've just not got the inspiration. Welcome. <laughs> hi, hi. Who does have the inspiration? Who, who does have the, the the enjoyment, the fun aspect of watching Hearts right now? Because it's, I mean, I'm Kilmarnock fans, miles away. Hibs fans. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's a good shout. Kilmarnock fans are the only supporters who enjoyed watching Hearts at the weekend. <laughs> that sums it up. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure many other uh, football club supporters were experiencing the the Schadenfreude. As, uh, oh, Laurie, as... what, what's happening? What, what, what's going on? I, I was thinking before we came on here. We're we're getting towards the end of the decade. I've not seen Hearts much because I moved over here in 2010. Oh, lucky you. I, I've not seen Hearts much this <laughs> decade, and I'm not sure that there. Even when we were penalised the points, deducted the points. There was still something that kind of, oh, well, we've got the football on Saturday. You never know and spoil still a party sp- or such. A bit of spirit, but, a bit of character yeah, still, yeah, even, so, even so, when we so were what, shite. <laughs> so what's going on? What's happening here? Well, it's a bit of a mess. And we'll talk about it. We will talk about it. Um, I, I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by Mark Donaldson for Scarves Around the Funnel, a podcast full of misery again after... Uh, a glimmer of hope um, <laughs> last time out. Uh, we, 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 yeah, back to reality. Uh, you know, one step forward, about 75 steps back. Uh, so we will talk about Kilmarnock against Hearts, which happened on Saturday at Rugby Park. Uh, we are going to have uh, another um, instalment of our Maroon Memories section. So looking forward to that, talking about maybe the days when we did have a bit of character, even if we weren't that great in terms of quality. And we might look ahead to Hearts' next game, which is at Ibrox against Rangers. Hmm. Yeah, nice, nice, easy one. Nice, easy one. You know, if if Maroon Memories doesn't work, we could do Maroon Mammaries, like body painting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what came through the other day. I was like, don't, don't think. No, get it out of your head. No, no. And now you've got this vision of of breasts being painted maroon, male or female, not being sexist. I'd rather maroon memories worked because the other one, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. Okay, enough of... Um, <laughs> Is that curveball enough for you? Enough of uh, boobs from boobs. Um, let's... Boobs from tits. Boobs. Jesus, uh, we've, we've only just started. People are actually usually listening at this point, Mark. You know, we we, <laughs> we usually throw this nonsense in right at the end when ninety eight percent of our listeners have already turned off and discussed. For the, for the loyal ones that, that that don't know how to turn us off, wish they could. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Okay. We're gonna have some cheer later because of the maroon memories. Any positives? I, I'm not gonna lie. I did. What did I do at the weekend? I did Atalanta Juventus. So I'll, I'll I'll be honest, I I didn't see any of the game whatsoever. I've seen the goals and and heard and read the match reports and whatever. Any positives at all from the weekend? No. Oh no. <laughs> well, let's talk about the game. Let's, let's let's talk about the setup. Of course, Hearts were 
coming off the back of a decent win. They won 5-2 against uh, a struggling St Mirren side, but it was a, a much-needed win. And you know, we spoke about the positives, but I did mention the the kind of the butt. Uh, the big butt, <laughs> the big butt. Oh, come on now, we've already been upstairs oh, no. enough the human body. Let's not go downstairs. It's all tits and ass. Um, <laughs> dear me. Which the, the butt was the fact that we scored five goals, but against us at Mirren side, who'd only scored twice on the road um, that this season and struggled for goals and struggled to create chances all campaign. We gave them two goals and they could have scored a lot more. We looked we looked very open, but we, we, we glossed over it a little because we wanted to talk about some positives because we hadn't received many of those this season. So Hearts went into the game and before the match, now I, I said this after the game, um, I'm not often right, especially when it comes to Hearts. In fact, I'm usually slightly blinded, even in recent times, by wanting to look at the optimistic side of things, wanting to be positive and looking at a team and, and, and trying to find a way, I think, to convince myself that we're going to get a good performance or a good result. But it was a little bit different before the Kilmarnock game because before we'd seen the team, I've spoken to, I've speaking to a couple of people in the media area, a couple of journalists, and I, I basically I said, I don't think we should go with the same team as last time. And a couple of people spoke certainly from people who hadn't watched the full game, maybe just saw the result and the score. Why not? It was a good performance and result. And I just said, I don't think that setup will work again very well this time because we played a, we played a poor St. Mirren team at home and we left so many gaps, you know, with that 4-3-3, so many spaces that even St. Mirren exploited that a team like Kamarnik, who are a much better team than St. Mirren, well organised under Alessio, carrying on from where Steve Clark left off. I don't think this is the game for it. I think we'll be found out. I'm a bit worried. And the team came out and he basically played the same system as McPhee. He replaced Irving with Whelan, which maybe not a big surprise. Whelan, I suppose, wasn't 100% last time out club-wise, but played most of the game for Ireland against Denmark and apparently fully fit again. So maybe no surprise that that change happened, but in terms of the system, I was a bit concerned. So you kind of got your four-three-three, if you want to call that. Pereira and goals, Smith, Dikamora, Bera, Hickey, Whelan, Walker, and Bazanich is your more central. And Ikpiazu wide right, white out left. Naismith, sort of a nine, but he was pulling himself deeper and deeper. Concerns were there before the game, I felt, and as much as I had concerns, I never expected them to be realised quite as dramatically and catastrophically as they were um we were just so poor so off the pace it, it, the game looked like the first half anyway and you know that first quarter of the game it looked like you're watching manchester city against uh, you know against some of the game against some of the teams that they treat like cannon fodder at times and in the english premier league they we were just getting carved open time and time again and, and chris burke He's had a decent enough career, but he's 35 now. And he looked like Messi. He looked like Messi in his prime. He was absolutely tearing us to shreds. And, um, you know, down the left, I felt sorry for Aaron Hickey. He struggled throughout the game, but he had no support in there. The way that we'd set up, you know, with A.D. White as like an attacking left winger, so there wasn't really anyone helping Hickey. And then when White did come back, we were already on the back foot. Um... I could go through the entire team. You know, it's one of these where we've we've had 
we've had games where we've you know we've highlighted certain players and we've we've you know rightly criticised them. But you look throughout that team, and you know, Glenn Whelan, who's who's an experienced pro and has looked pretty comfortable this campaign, had a poor game as well. He's knocking passes out the park, easy passes. It just, it was just awful. It was awful from start to finish. Nobody looked interested, and Kamarnik looked streets ahead of us. You know, they had a system in place. They tore us to shreds. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with it. Could have been a lot worse. I mean, second half was kind of a non-event, but mainly because Kamarnik were comfortably ahead. There was no point in them overstretching things. You know, Hearts looked slightly better in the second half, but I think that was more Kamarnik taking their foot off the gas rather than us being particularly good I think what the game has done for me is basically Austin McPhee's audition for the role is categorically over if if it was ever truly in play anyway I I don't think there's any doubt that he he's not the man for the job not right now he he might turn into manager someday but right now that that showed showed his deficiencies and that's fine he's not been a manager at this level before I think what it also showed, and I said last week, I was a bit concerned about this talk of a six to eight week wait, purely because we're now approaching December with a huge run of games. I know you were not quite as certain about if we needed to make a move soon. Oh, I'm certain now. I think now, yeah. I think now we need to make a move because you're talking about potentially getting dragged into a proper relegation scrap. I mean, we're in it just now. Well, we're well, one well, point, uh, one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no potential about it. There's four teams. Right now, St. Mirren are playing Hibs and are losing. There's yeah. four teams. Thankfully, equal bottom. Hibs, are, Hibs are doing us a favour right now yeah. if you look at the table. Yeah. Four teams equal bottom. Hearts, St. Mirren, Hamilton and St. Johnston. There's no potentially about it. Hearts are involved in a relegation scrap. So it means, and I think you're right, for anyone, including myself, who, who kind of thought, oh, well, we've, we've got someone in place for the time being until we can find... No. Now it's a case of, okay, what have we got... Who are we thinking about? Let's get our number one candidate, our number two candidate, and let's get this done. And hopefully it can be done as soon after the Rangers game as possible. I wouldn't be rushing anything for a Rangers game. No, I don't, think, I don't a, see, I don't see yeah. any point in bringing a guy in, whoever he is. Pep Guardiola probably wouldn't win with that Hearts team at Ibrox. There's no point in doing that this week. But this week should be about getting everything in place so you can make an announcement Monday morning. Oh, I agree. And... <sighs> I mean, we've not scored for five games away from Tynecastle now, conceding six in the last two. Uh, obviously, the semi-final at Hamden and then this game at Rugby Park. And I guess the, the big worry. I mean, let's go through some reactions, right? Because you know we've 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 gone round and round in circles over this so many times, and you know it does feel like Groundhog Day. So, Gordon Stitt says. Um, just bringing to light, actually, the squad is mints. Injuries coming to an end with only a few out now, but still no idea of how to win and what style of play we want other than punt it to Uche. This has to speed up the process for a new manager. So we've mentioned speeding up the process, but what Gordon suggests there, is the squad actually not as good as we've been thinking all this time? How many times do you see, well, how many, how many times do you see a new manager bounce? We saw it at West Ham on Saturday with Spurs. Uh, and I'm talking new manager. I'm not talking interim manager. No. Um, and and you you, I think, I think the squad right now is, um, it's it's lacking in motivation. It's lacking in confidence. Um, it's it's lacking in a lot of things. Now these these players, I think, 
a lot of them are decent. A lot of them are decent. Not necessarily those that played at the weekend. Not all of them. But I'm playing Naismith. I'm playing Walker. I'm playing Smith. Hickey's an interesting one for me because while you were going through that and you were saying he was left alone, it took me back to last season at Kilmarnock. And I know we won both times there. But they played a 3-5-2 in one of the games. And Mulraney was a left wing back. Mm-hmm. And while he was getting forward, Chris Burke was running riot. And I think that was the game that Christoph Berra was a, a left centre back of the three. And we, we got away with it that day, but we didn't start well. We started slowly. And it was pretty similar in that we started slowly at the weekend by all accounts. And except this time, we were three goals down. So if it was a straight 4 4 2 with Hickey at left back and, and White, if that's where he's decided to play him in front of him, at least you've got a bit more. Um, a bit more uh, help for for Hickey, but uh, of the players and of, of the squad, that look, the, there's there's a lot of dead weights in there, but mm-hmm. they've they've been signed on on long term deals. Some of them, I mean, Lloyd Demur right now, uh, I don't know if he's injured or or what he is. I don't think so because he was on the unused sub, a four year deal for him. Um, that th- this goes this goes deeper than than just what's on the pitch right now. There's there's been a lot definitely, of decision making which, which yeah. can't. It can't be changed, Laurie, that have happened uh, over the last three or four years. That it's going to take time, it, it, like a Mallory Martin scenario. It's going mm-hmm. to take time to to arrest the the slump and to to change things. So, do we have a good squad? I still think we've the the squad we have is far more capable than they are showing right now. So I is agree. that the fault of the players, or is that the fault of the the, the lack of motivation, the instructions? Or, or what? I think both sides have got to take some some semblance of blame. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. I agree with you. I think I'm beginning to think the squad wasn't as good as I thought. You know, the start of the campaign, but it's still undoubtedly got a lot of quality in it. I think there's an imbalance. I think there's certain areas where we're lacking, and we're lacking an an identity certainly, and a and a real approach or a consistent approach. But there's definitely some good players in there. It's um, a top six squad, Laurie. That, oh, that's what yeah, it is. At least and and right well, now, yeah. it's, it's joint bottom. So it, it's, a, it's a top six squad with the potential to be better. Right now, it is very much underperforming. And I know we've got Suter to come back. And I know Halkett um, started his comeback at the weekend and, and was on the bench. I think it, 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 we can't keep going back to when everyone's fit because we haven't shown right now or recently that we can get everyone fit at the same time. As far as the squad's concerned, it's certainly a top six squad with a potential to what should be a top four finish. But woulda, shoulda, coulda. This is not good enough. No, no, I, I completely agree. And I, I think one of the things, one of the things is, I mean, you look at, we're going to look at a game from the season at Hearts. We're relegated. I'm not going to get too much detail just now, but you, you got the kind of, opposite with a lot of games that season. I mean, that, that team was hugely lacking in quality and especially lacking in experience. But I'm just looking at the start of the season. So what are we on now? 26th of November we're on right now in the present day. And Hearts have won two league games. This Hearts team on a on a pretty size, on a wage bill of, what are we talking, maybe seven or, seven or eight million? We don't know for sure because we don't know the current... Hearts' wage bill is the fourth biggest in the yeah, league behind so seven Celtic, million. then Rangers, then Aberdeen. I think that season we had one of less than two for the playing staff, that season that we went down. And you look at this, so we skipped to what, late November that season? Hearts had won 
three league games. We'd won more league games that season at this point with the, obviously the points deficit meant we didn't have the same points, but that Gary Locke's side had won more league games at this point in the season than this Hearts team. They'd actually beaten Aberdeen away and home and they'd beaten Hibs in a derby. I mean, that's 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 the stuff of dreams at the moment for this Hearts team. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're telling people what they what they already know. I know, I know. Well, and, well let's see what it's... yeah. We'll see what other people have said anyway. Just uh, always a jambo uh, said. I don't. I just don't understand what our style of play is supposed to be, and why is Uche play, playing right wing? What is the thinking there? And I, I mentioned this. I mentioned this last time. I thought he had some effective moments against Mirren, but. A lot of it was largely to do with Callum Waters kind of playing into his hands and trying to go shoulder to shoulder and, and get into a physical battle with him. You know, If you stand off Uche and let him try and do something with the ball, which is often what happened on, on Saturday, he doesn't really know what to do with it. He kind of he trundles forward with it, but his final ball is poor. He, you know, From out wide, he certainly can't cross it. Cutting in to have a shot, can't do that either. So if you take away that kind of battle where he can sort of shrug a player off and spin him and maybe charge forward into space, it's very ineffective. And I thought Kamarnik kind of nullified him pretty quickly. So If it's a, if it's a one-off, like it was, well, we thought it might be against St Mirren because no one would have second-guessed that that's where he was going to play. If it's a shock tactic a la Kevin James or Gor- against Stuttgart or just, just things that the manager of the opposition doesn't expect and it's a one-off, then fine. But if... The Kilmarnock coach and the coaching staff have kind of watched the Hearts game um, and kind of thought, well, OK, they're doing this. Well, hope they do that again. And then when they did, I mean, he would have been rubbing his hands. And it's easy to sit here and say, well, it, it, it worked against St Mirren and then criticise when it didn't work against Kilmarnock. But the, the warning signs were there, were they not? You, you said that. But it's funny, I was reading all the online content after the, the game and I think it was an article that said a lot of the journalists before the game were thinking, yeah, this this is this is a decent Hearts lineup as far as names are concerned, not as much position are concerned. And a lot of the journalists were saying they, they maybe fancy Hearts um, on, on Saturday and, and then they get thumped. And I mean... If it, we give we give praise. We're not just sitting here and, and criticizing um, because they, they lost three 0 We give praise where where praise was due. I didn't want negatives last week. I was happy with five two. And I, I know we spoke about the, the defending deficiencies, um, but I mean, as you say right at the start, St Mirren at home is very different from Kilmarnock away. Ian Buckle says, it's getting unbearable now. The rot has well and truly set in. I said all along, Levine was left in the job. Too long, and now the indications on manager is going to cost us dear. Also, Berry needs to be stripped of captaincy. He is not a leader that should be on the bench for me. Um, in terms of his second point, is that something that... I mean, it's not something I don't think Austin McPhee will do as his interim manager, but do you think a new manager will come in and think even changing the captaincy is something he might need to do? I know we've spoken a lot of times that when Naismith's on the field... The general feeling is he's more of he's he's more of the leader of the team than maybe Berra is. He's a club captain, Christoph Berra, um, and I think rightly so. I think the leader on the pitch is Stephen Naismith, 
Um, and I think it, it, it would be easy to have a, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult to have someone else as your captain on a match day when the club captain is playing. I think it's easy for Naismith to be the captain when, when Berra's not playing, when, when maybe Suter comes back and, and Halkett's playing as well. Um, I think, no, if, if I've got a list of one to 10 about where the issues are right now, uh, who the club captain is or, or, or who the captain on the pitch is, uh, that that's not a pressing concern for me. I think there are many others that you would try and rectify issues-wise before you would get to, 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 to the captain. I mean, look, if he's, if he's given a six and a half, seven out of ten every week, no one's even talking about this. So would stripping him, stripping, that's a horrible word for a captain, because <laughs> it usually means they've done something wrong. Christoph's, Chris, the only thing Christoph's guilty of is maybe coming back a little too soon from his injury and not being the player that, that he was before his injury. It's not for the want of trying. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not guilty of anything else. He he might not be that player, but he's 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 a year older as well. And, and we don't and more... we don't really have options at the moment. Halkett's obviously just back, but with Halkett and Suter being out, um, and with not having many options at right back, we've had to. You know, I know people are saying maybe drop Berra, but if we don't have any other centre backs, then what is going to play? I'd be dropping Dicamona before I'd be dropping Berra. I mean. I'm, I'm certainly not convinced. That, like, there's a lot of changes we could make. Um, do we honestly? Do we not have a right back? Because I'm much happier with with Christoph alongside Michael Smith. So is there not someone that can can play right back? Jimmy Brandon's been the one, but uh, he struggled, and and Aaron Hickey's also been played there. But I've, again, I felt like he has been at his weakest. You know, maybe before the weekend at right back. So oh, Aaron Hickey right now is struggling at left back. So. We we said last week let's just keep him in one spot and and if he makes mistakes fine he's going to, he's going to do that and we have to take him out from time to time um then then fine but I, I I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say well we need we need to put him at right back and put Ad White at left back when I said last week that that I want him to to be in one position um mm-hmm. Sean Clare at right back I don't fancy that whatsoever uh do we not have anybody I mean now that Halkett's back. I assume if he was able to be on the bench, clearly wasn't fit enough to start, with a week's training, can we suggest that, I mean, would we go back three at Ibrox on Sunday? If Halkett's available to start, what would you do? Would you do Smith, Halkett, Berra, Hickey? Or would you do um, Smith, Berra, Halkett as a back three? It's a hard one. Um, the back three has, I think, looked at its strongest when Smith has been in the centre of it, playing that kind of sweeper role in between. Oh, that's fine. But just but, those three at the back, in whatever position. But I was going to say... That, it, that would mean Berra would be at left centre-back. Which what my concern, I was going to say, would be that then Berra's in the, the wider position of it, and if Hickey's on his left, then... If you know, if Hickey's maybe yeah, struggling yeah. a little bit confidence-wise, and we're going up against a Rangers team who are who are going to look to attack at every opportunity, and you know, Tavernier is going to want to get forward on that right side constantly. I've got um, an idea. I've got an idea. Back ten? No. Gucci, <laughs> left centre back. I mean, I mean seriously. Probably just right as winger. A, probably just as effective as right winger, but no. well, well, well. Um, yeah, I mean. So, 
Sunday could end up with us bottom of the table, full stop, with with no friends for company, because let's take a look at the fixtures um, for the weekend. And I know we're still talking about Kelly, but we're 20 minutes in and we haven't had a tangent, so we need one. Ah, St. Mirren at Aberdeen, so that's unlikely. And uh, Hamilton at Livy and St. Johnston at Motherwell. So we'll probably still have company when we lose uh, on Sunday. And then midweek, Livy at home. That becomes a big one. But, That's but yeah, a big game. yeah. K- K- Killy, it, it, I, I don't know what we do. Uh, he's not going to keep the same information if he's still in charge because he tweaked it three or four times. And he said that. I was listening to his, his post-match. Um, I think the question for the weekend is back three or not? Well, we will we will have a quick look ahead to the Rangers game before we go. Just look at a few other messages. Um, Willie says, who'd have thought emptying Levine was going to be the easy part? We're faced with a squad that largely know they won't get paid better elsewhere and most will happily set out their contracts. I'd increase my subs to get rid. Um, the Loudon Art, uh, Gregor Loudon Art, sorry, it says, the result and the manner and the way it was attained was genuinely alarming. Something is seriously wrong with the structure of the club. Worst case scenario, relegation. Best case scenario, avoiding the relegation playoffs and finishing below Hibs for the third time in a row. And um, Scott Coburn says, the Athletic have an article on Stokes relegation and casual softness that developed, seeing alarming parallels at hearts, real concern over both short-term decisions, example, continuing to run Hickey into the ground, and long-term on-field new manager needs huge experience. Uh, Interesting, just a couple of points from, from what's been said with those messages. It's interesting we're sitting here tonight, this is Tuesday night, and... um, so Stoke have just lost to Cardiff, um, and another team, Sunderland, have just lost home to to Burton. Oof. And you look at that. I mean, Stoke who are Ryan very... Edwards scored by the way. He did. He did. I mean, Stoke who are very recently a Premier League club, and they'd kind of become a pretty solid Premier League club, middle to you know, middle to a good place in the bottom half club, and they're now languishing second bottom of the Championship. This is just like Charlton. Remember they yeah. were they were a mid-table top-flight club, and then it was, it's a case, case of be careful what you wish for. Yeah. And in they, Sunderland, they had, Sunderland are eleventh. They, they're fourteen points off the top already. Sunderland. The guy who's come in has done a worse job than yeah. Jack Ross. I know. So it's quite a it's quite an interesting point to make that that you you know I'll I'll admit until maybe. Maybe even just the last week, I've never really been realistically thinking about getting dragged into a relegation battle. My feeling has always been, we'll make the change with someone new in, and we'll get that bounce, and at very worst, we'll push up and have a mid-table kind of season. It's, it's always been in my mind that that's probably our worst-case scenario. That you know we might have a poor, you know, we might just match last season and finish mid-table. But you know, looking at that on Saturday, I don't know if that's complacency from you know my part and other fans who maybe thought that way as well, that it doesn't matter necessarily that we look at those players and you've got some big names, you know, you've got Beras and Suters and Whelans and Naismiths in there. If you've got that general malaise, that kind of just the softness that was mentioned then there by Scott Coburn and just that complete lack of any confidence or direction, you know, Kamarnik wiped the floor with us. 
absolutely tore us apart. That was, you know, that's the kind of thing I would expect to see at Celtic Park and Ibrox. But they did. They ripped us apart. They fully deserved that 3-0 halftime advantage. And to be honest, if they really wanted to go out and do it again in the second half, I think they probably could have, but they just didn't need to. So I think it's a very good point to look at that. And I mean, the other thing is getting that change because the other thing that's happened tonight is Hibs have beaten St Mirren and that was following on from Jack Ross's first game, which was a decent win against Motherwell. Hibs are now seven ahead of us already. Hibs are also only four points off fourth place, which is a potential European place. It can turn around very quickly, but at the same time, it can snowball and it can not get any better, which is something that I hadn't really contemplated until I think the last week or so. Rangers away, Livy at home, Motherwell away, St Johnston at home, Celtic at home. We're not even at Christmas yet. Um, five games in, in 17 days. And I would assume by the end of those five, we would have a new manager in place. Speaking of which, having read up a bit about Daniel Stendhal, don't know if he'll be the next manager. Uh, I know as much as, as, as what I've read, um, and I, 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 I'm hopeful. Out of everyone that's been mentioned so far, I'm hopeful it's going to be him. But when I read up about him and his style of play, that would re- that'll be a really interesting appointment if Hearts make it. Because there's a lot of players that will be looking over their shoulder going, we don't fancy this, this high press, this mm-hmm. constant fit as you like, fit as a butcher's dog. Um, I'm not I'm not having a go at the fitness of, of any of the players. I mean, I'm sure the fitness is, is excellent at Tynecastle. Because uh, it has to be. If you want to play in that league, you can't have passengers. But this is next-level fitness. This is not standing, waiting, not being reactive. This is being proactive. This is getting in about them. This is uh, Atalanta style. Um, if you get the opportunity to watch Atalanta... Last season, I'm sure if you saw them, or, or, or this season I was going to say, hopefully, well. hopefully last season's Atalanta more than this season's. Yeah, but they were fine up until a, a, a recent run. I mean, they, they should have beaten Juventus at the weekend, but they, they just press. They, they, they don't change their style depending on, on who they play. They, they have this, uh, this press from Giampieri, uh, Piero Gasparini, and it's, it, it, it's all down to not allowing the opposition time on the ball to beat you. But it requires a hell of a lot of, of work, of fitness, of running. Um, and and the, the other articles I read about, about Stendhal and, and his training as well, it's, it's, it's high tempo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that will have rewards if the players buy into it. But if a lot of these players at Tynecastle are, are, are accustomed, not laziness, but doing enough and, and not feeling they don't need to do any more than enough, They'll, they'll get a, a wake-up call. And that's why I'm hoping, in addition to wanting something a little bit different, um, I've watched a little bit of Barnsley between uh, last week and this week, just on, on YouTube, just to see what kind of style he plays. And, and I like the idea of having him in at Hearts, but just as much I like the idea of finding out who in the Hearts squad will clearly buy into it and, and who will fall by the wayside, because it'll become pretty clear if he takes over who's in which camp. Yeah, being slightly facetious about Atalanta, because I know they're having a decent enough season, but just a little bit of a rut just now. But um, indeed, I think the style is something, and obviously what you're saying is right, from what we've, from all the reports and the clips we see, it, it looks like an exciting style, but even regardless of 
what that style is. We, I think we need some kind of um, some kind of style, some kind of identity. Because we, we, how many times have we said it over the last year plus since we've been doing this and longer? We just don't know what the style Hearts are trying to instill is. And you know, yeah. Football doesn't have to be about a team having one style and never changing that. Of course, you can change game to game, but we don't seem to have any identity. I don't think it's helped that it looks like in so many games the players aren't quite sure what the expectations of them are. We've had so many games, especially at home, where it's kind of it just looks like they're set up and it's a kind of knock the ball around and see what happens sort of idea. Of course, it's never going to have been that simple, but that's how it came across. And so many times... I've looked and felt. Do these players know what's really being asked of them? What what their approach is to break this team down, to try and create chances, to try and, I guess, encourage some some support and and at least make the game exciting. There's just been none of that for so long. So, I think you're right. I think and by the time this goes out, who knows? There might be further developments or you know, fingers crossed, some some actual firm news. Daniel Stendel's certainly the one that's exciting a lot of people, and he's you know now made it to the I think the odds on favourite I think when someone last messaged me about it doesn't always mean anything um, but we're hopeful and he, and to be fair Mark you know last week when he was still just a name on the list he was the one that we picked out as the most exciting person the most exciting candidate who seemed like a potential realistic one yeah that that's like saying that I'm the most athletic out of Yokozuna <laughs> the wrestler giant haystacks and big daddy it's not. It's it's kind of damned by by faint praise. Um, we we're just we're crying out for something and something different. Last time we played Rangers, by the way, we got thumped three 0 After that game, I was checking. After that game, we didn't go on a very good run as far as away games are concerned. However, eight games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine games. Sorry. The nine away games in any competition, competitive matches that Hearts played after they last went to to uh, to Ibrox, which was in April, Hearts scored. And I say away, that includes the the uh, the cup final as well. So Hearts scored in, in in those games. We're currently on a run of five without an away goal. Aaron Hickey in the 22nd of September was the last person to, to score away from home. It gets to the stage, and it got to the stage on Saturday where a friend of mine who listens to this show as well from Pennycube, Ian Lenny, he went to Fur Hill on Saturday to watch our local team, yep. Pennycube. Hearts were playing another half hour down the road. So it's not like distance was an issue. He chose to go and see Pennycube on Saturday against Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup. And I know it was a big, big day for our town, but he wasn't the only one. There were a number of Hearts fans who chose for Hill because they're from Pennycook and Hearts fans instead of going to Rugby Park. And where's the incentive now? There's, there's the loyal ones who will go and see them if it's if they're bottom of, of the, the lowest league in the world, they'd still go and watch Hearts. And, and that's, that's the ultimate loyalty. But We've got Rangers away, then Motherwell away, Hamilton away, Ross County away, St. Johnson away. These are games if we were playing well, apart from the Rangers game, we'd look forward to. Where's where's the Hearts fans' enthusiasm ahead of this weekend? 
How many of them are actually looking forward to it? It's like it's an obligation. Oh, I have to. It's, this is the type of fixture where I remember um, many years ago, before I was even in, in kind of media and radio and TV and all that, there were games that I would go to because I felt like I had to, because I was on this run of having not missed an away game. Or This is the type of fixture. These people who turn up at Ibrox to support Hearts on Sunday are the ones that are probably on a run of having not missed a Hearts game in however many years. Because if you're not on that kind of run, and you're not one of these that just go because, where's the incentive to go and watch Hearts these days? Away from home especially, but in the last five games, stretching back to the 22nd of September, we have not even scored a goal on our travels. After that, this depressing and very <laughs> accurate um, <laughs> statement from Mark, uh, we're going to we're going to hopefully cheer things up a little bit by the next instalment of our maroon memories. Um, bizarrely, we're cheering up by going back to the last time Hearts were in a relegation fight uh, five and a half years ago or so. Um, Harry Temple got in touch and said uh, when we asked what maroon memories you'd like us to talk about and he said the relegation derby they came to relegate us and they end up getting beat and coming down with us they obviously couldn't bear to be without us and of course (laughs) harry temple is referring to sunday the 30th of march 2014 uh, a time when i got you by duke dumont featuring jack jones was top of the charts, a favourite of Mark Donaldson's, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure. Um, Duke Dumont. <laughs> Who's the one that's got the renaturalisation Americanness? Duke. The Duke. Duke's a hazard. It's the, Duke. Well, I, I was, I was just trying to, I was just trying to appease your Americanisms now. No, hey, don't, don't get that. Are you the kind of guy <laughs> that, that, that watches Hearts videos on YouTube? Soccer? Yeah. Uh, um. Well, Captain America was uh, number one in the box yeah, office. Yeah, there the you win- go. The Winter Soldier. Hey! And uh, March 2014 was also the month that Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 disappeared and still none the wiser as to what happened with that one. Um, what we did find out about was how the Scottish Premiership relegation battle would go. One of them was um, fairly certain um, and there would be a surprise by the end of the season as well. In the Premiership at this point, Gary Locke's young heart side were teetering on the brink of a pretty inevitable relegation following the 15-point deduction that the club had been hit with for entering administration. So after 30 games, the Jambos had only recorded five wins and had lost 19 league matches, almost two-thirds of their league games. They sat on six points and went into the derby knowing that a defeat would confirm their relegation to the championship and they were on a run of six without a win and had lost four games in a row. So it was to the delight of Hibs fans that the next fixture in the calendar was an Edinburgh derby at Tynecastle, a chance for Terry Butcher's side to relegate their city rivals on their own patch. Those of a green and white persuasion were reveling in their rivals' misery, so much so that they billed the match the relegation derby. 
And fans even created an invitation, an, an invite to the fellow highways which read, Edinburgh Derby, relegation party, you're invited. Remember, green balloons, streamers, hats, scarves, and your invitation. Hashtag Teddy Butcher's Green and White Army. Hashtag join the party. Mm, indeed. Um, at this point, Hibs were sitting in seventh, but they had only won one of their last 11 matches and were in fact only six points above the relegation playoff spot. And despite playing a game more than Hearts, they'd only actually won couple more games than their financially struggling rivals so it wasn't all rosy for Hibs and it maybe taken their eye off the ball a little bit with them um, hearts in such a mess um the atmosphere was really intense for this one though uh, even more so than your usual Edinburgh derby a sellout crowd for lunchtime kickoff on the Sunday um with the jambos showing incredible solidarity really and terrific voice to generate a supporting atmosphere of the home players the hybies responding with equal vigor they we're looking to drive a nail into the coffin of heart season, mocking and taunting their rivals, having a party, throwing beach balls and looking for what they expected to be a memorable victory. Um, before we go into the game, Mark, what do, what, what do you remember? Obviously, you were still you were from afar at this point, but it, it was one of these games. It was such a big derby, but for the reasons that we don't usually have uh, for a derby. And it was one of these where it was just... It was more than bragging rights because everyone knew at that point Hearts were going down. And um, Hibs really didn't feel like they were going to get dragged into it. It was all about they wanted to be the side to put us down. And it really added to what ended up being a, a game with a huge amount of needle to it. Yeah, and a squad that had everyone who were Scottish, with the exception of Dylan McGowan and uh, and Paul McCallum oh, on the bench. Oh. But <laughs> um, by, by the way, I was gonna, I was actually going to do a quiz, but I've I've, I've kind of I've, I've spoiled it now. Um, I was going to say that complete this sentence: Who for this is from Andy Hessenhaller? Who for me is the best header of a football in this division and probably above? And he was referring to Paul McCallum, uh, who's now at Solihull Moors. Sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> the Solihull yeah. Moors part. Yeah, so back then, um, I think I, there was a part of me felt sorry for what they were going through, but they didn't want pity or anything like that. And I, I would have, I would have loved someone to have had a recording device um, pre-match in that changing room to record Gary Locke's team talk. It's because <laughs> it would have been the most passionate thing in the world. But, I mean, I'm sure we've all got a fair idea. Of how we'd have gone. Uh, you might be going down. We'll do our best not to. But if you are going down, you're certainly. And I'm taking out all the expletives. Uh, otherwise, there wouldn't be many words um, that you could say. Um, and it, it would have been. It just would have been passionate. And and I think with I mentioned all the Scots, and I'm not xenophobic or anything like that. But I think they would have understood. Um, I would, <coughs> excuse me. They would have understood what that game meant. It's not like you've got. That game at Easter Road was at Cathro, um, where we had we, we got thumped, and a lot of them were playing in their first ever Edinburgh derby, and they had no idea yeah. what that fixture was all about. The, I mean, there was a David Smith in there, Carrick and Hull and Nicholson. That excuse me, that was what it was all about that season, and that they were. It was like all it was like all for one and one for all. It was like yeah. the 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 phrase. 
Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a great point, and and whilst Gary Locke obviously had quite a few deficiencies, we'd say in a managerial sense, and you know his, his career in, in that area since then probably shown that. But um, it's one of those where I, I think I joked not too long ago that she maybe give Gary Log Gary Locke a permanent job as Edinburgh Derby consultant, just because on those days you could just imagine he can fire those players up, and whilst that season was always going to be difficult. I don't think you can pin it just on Gary Locke. I think no matter who you had in charge, you know, right now we've got frustrations because we see that there's players who should be better than what they're shown. But that season, it was a bunch of kids. And, you know, we can see by the careers of most of them since, only a hand, you know, only a couple have actually really kicked on. And a lot of them have just disappeared completely, really, uh, in terms of professional football. So it, it was always fighting a losing battle. But we were always up for those derbies, you know, beat them um, twice at Tynecastle. Um, and that game was obviously ended up being being the big one. Um, and it just, <laughs> I'm just uh, just thinking of the, the clips as well when you, you get towards the end of the game with, with Gary Locke. He's just a Hearts fan in the dugout, really. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll go to the game because it started like the atmosphere. It started... Um, with a bit of intensity, and it only took well, it took less than six minutes for Hearts to actually make their mark on the game. Um, Callum Patterson with a cross into the box, Ryan Stevenson with a knockdown, and Dale Carrick firing home. Four off on the left-hand side, but Hearts digging in. Patterson. Oh, and is this going to be an early goal for the Jumpers? It is! The 20-year-old Dale Carrick has only scored two senior goals for Hearts before this game, but um, he showed great composure, actually. Composure of a, a, a more seasoned player as he got the ball under control and, and stabbed it in from a few yards out. He's right in front of the Roseburn end, right in front of the Hibs fans. I love when you see a Derby goal in the Roseburn end and you see the shell-shocked faces or a few people throwing scarves or giving abuse to the Hearts player who celebrates in front of them and very fittingly there's a lot of green balloons around the goal as Hebb's party falls a bit flat as Carrick uh, wheels away in celebration uh, great scenes and um, just it's strange to think it's, it, I guess one of the iconic Derby goals just in recent years anyway just because of what it meant at the time yeah yeah um, I I, do you know what? Although it's a game that the result sticks in, in my mind, it's not it's not a game that I can easily recall. And I know you're talking about it being um, one of the more memorable goals. It's it's difficult when you're not able to attend a game. I find it hard with regards to the build up, which you buy into. You're you're in Edinburgh or Pennycook or or wherever you are. You're you're local. You you you're. Mm-hmm. You're encapsulated by it. Um, and going back to the whole not seeing them much in, in the flesh over the last 10 years, I, I've seen every game that's been tel- televised, I've seen. And I watched the goals from, from, from Kilmarnock at the weekend. I've probably seen every single goal scored by Hearts um, in games that I haven't been to. But that game, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, Kevin Kyle scored a goal um, late on. Uh, against Hibs, was it not? 
yeah, I remember that. And yeah. I rem- yeah, and I remember where I was um, over here when I saw certain things. That's that's not a game that I oh I was I watched that there and I, I did that. I can remember a few Edinburgh derbies and where I was and where I watched them over here. But th- that one, and I know it was huge for 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 Hearts not to allow them to to bring us down. See, I remember where because they lost on penalties to Hamilton, didn't they, in the playoffs that year? Yeah, I remember that, and I remember watching it on whatever it was, Twitter or, or whatever, and where I was. But that game against against Hibs, um, and and after we've we've finished recording this, I'll go back and I'll I'll watch the highlights from that game again, and and I'm sure it'll all come flooding back to me. But it's weird when you're not there and you're not kind of encapsulated by the build up and. And the game itself, um, yeah, it's, everyone's different. There'll be people with a photographic memory, like, yep, remember that, 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 and and those. But for, for me, I, I I couldn't tell you right now without watching it how those goals were scored. It was a game where it, it, it was end to end at times. Actually, I mean, the Hibs kind of worked their way back into it. big James Collins, a uh, well well thought of Hibs player from a Hearts perspective. Um, probably should have levelled, fired over the bar. Sam Nicholson lashed one in from range, which was tipped around the post by Ben Williams. Um, second half, David Smith almost d- doubled the lead. And then, it, <laughs> this one always arcs Hibs fans, or it did at the time anyway. Uh, Jordan Forster nodded in um, to level things up from a Lewis Stevenson cross. Hibs fans started celebrating. Linesman flag denied him. Incorrect as replays would prove, Forster was onside, and he looked onside at the time, I can remember that. Um, despite the setback, they, they moved forward and they kept pushing players up, and this is where they were caught on the break. Um, Billy King skipped away from former Hearts player Alan Mabry as we kind of hit 90 minutes, and the now 35-year-old Irishman just didn't quite have the legs, took him out, and was given his marching orders by referee Stephen McLean, so Hearts now had a man advantage as we went into injury time, and very soon... A two goal advantage. This is, I, I really did love this moment, um, and it's it's one of those you've got to love a break when you've got a man up, you know, late on. It's like the Austin McCann moment that obviously you had when you're when you were commentating back in 2003, and uh, when a team's obviously still going to have ten men, but they were throwing players forward, so left huge holes at the back, um, and with time almost up, ten men Hibs throwing players forward, allowed Hearts to break. Nicholson ran into the Hibs half. He fed Stevenson. And uh, and then this happened. Nicholson with the pass, it might fall for Billy King. He can finish it. Billy King, two nails a horse. And that was, of course, Billy King who got onto the final ball, one on one, kept his composure, kept his feet round the keeper, slotted into the empty net, and Tank Castle erupts, and the um, the the camera goes to. Uh, to Gary Locke, who's punching the air, he's out on the pitch, he's celebrating in front of Hearts fans, fellow Hearts fans, Avicii levels, playing over the Tannoy, as it always did in those Derby moments, still 2012, um, enough, uh, close enough in the memory. And Derek Ray, who had the very um, well, wonderful words, really, in the, in the BT commentary when he said, uh, not on this patch of Edinburgh land, not in a Derby, no relegation today. And it's interesting because at that point, everyone felt it was pivotal because it just meant that Hearts had avoided being relegated by Hibs. They, would, of course, would go down um, shortly afterwards. But they'd, 
they won that game. They had time to beat Hibs again before the season was up at Easter Road as well. And in fact, it was these derbies that you could say eventually dragged Hibs yeah. down with Hearts, which I don't I, think at that point, even I wasn't really thinking that at that point. No, no no one was. And they certainly weren't. I've just watched the Billy King goal. I've just watched the Billy King goal. And the reaction you speak about from from Gary Locke, that is, that's that same face. That's that same celebration when he lifted the cup in 98 mm-hmm. with Stevie Fulton. That's what it meant to him. He's got a, a phenomenal derby record. He it doesn't matter what happens. You ask the majority of, of football fans in Scotland who are not Hearts fans, what does Craig Levine mean to you? And they'll say 4-6-0 or whatever. No strikers in, in Prague. Mm-hmm. That, that's gone down as, as, as kind of his moment. If Gary Locke had been in charge of Hearts when they were relegated by Hibernian, it's like United winning the league at Dens. <laughs> you don't you don't want to be part of that at all if you're on the, the losing side. Gary Locke does, didn't want to be the guy remembered and it just it meant everything for him. And that passion and, and seeing the I I mean I'm I, I just watched the, the SPFL YouTube and it was just the Billy King goal. Jamie McDonald coming running out of his his goal and, and celebrating. Um, the fans as well. I mean, you're already one nil up. You've already got the three points in the bag, or so you hope. And I know you can obviously get done for an equaliser. But it, it's like, I'm not sure you've celebrated more <laughs> against Celtic when BT scored scored the penalty. You know what I mean? It's It just, it, it meant everything. And it's funny because, was, was Ryan Stevenson number nine that day? Uh, he's seven. It's Paul McCallum who I think you... Oh, McCallum was... Was nine. So <laughs> McCallum kind of stops. So Bill, Billy King's one on one with the goalkeeper. Now, if McCallum, uh, if McCallum has, if he wants to, he could really speed up to give Billy King an option of a, a, a an easy pass or an easy tap in. He would have but missed. He, he would have missed. Probably. Well, <laughs> but but he's he's just it's like he's got all the confidence in the world in Billy King because he stops. And if Billy King, if it's saved or whatever. He would have he would have had a boot up the boot up the arse, McCallum, um, but the goal it was well taken. It's his it first was, goal, it was really well taken. His first goal, it was. Yeah, that, that's right, it was. And it was only Dale Carrick's third goal. Yeah, but what a way to what a way to get it. Just nineteen years old, but but composure, and uh, say say what you like. You, I, I go back to all these players who know. And to be honest, Dylan McGowan. He's as well being Scottish. I know he's 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 folk. Is uh, I think it's his dad is, is Scottish. Ryan and Dylan's dad. And maybe. they were over with Hearts uh, from uh, yeah, like 15, that's what I'm 16 saying. Or that, that's what I'm yeah. saying. It, exactly. So it was pretty much a, uh, an all Scott. Basically, it was a team that knew what an Edinburgh derby meant to everyone. And yeah, it, it's funny seeing that goal because I was I thought that after watching that goal, I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that. I didn't. I didn't. And that that's weird for me because normally I could kind of reel off goals that were scored, but that was that was when I was there um, and watching in the flesh. It's, it's weird. So for for me, I've obviously filed that in my mind somewhere under yeah, a, a good win over Hibs, but it's not it's not been up there. Um, because I think it was the kinda... I think it was the atmosphere, and obviously, yeah, maybe well, that's for being a bar. That's was... what I'm saying. For, for a game that was, it didn't really mean 
that much in the grand scheme of things as, as far as Hearts still went down. But ultimately, I think you're spot on. Those Edinburgh derbies are the ones that ultimately helped relegate Hibs just as much as any as anybody else. But at the time, when Billy King scores that second, I'm sure even every Hibs fan that's, that's, that's there behind the goal looking for the equaliser is thinking anything but yeah. oh, we could be going down with them. Yeah, it was it was it was that solidarity, the the defiance, and and you mentioned the squad. I mean, eight of the starting eleven were twenty two or under, and four. Just looking at that, fourteen of the eighteen, the the eighteen for the match squad were twenty two or under. Uh, all three subs were twenty two or under. Three teenagers involved, one of them scoring. I mean, you look at and if you look at the team, so you've got Jamie McDonald, Callum Patterson, Kevin McHattie, Dylan McGowan, Jamie Hamill, Danny Wilson, Ryan Stevenson, David Smith, Dale Carrick. Jason Holt, Sam Nicholson. Now you can say Callum Patterson's went on to to, to do pretty well um, down south. Yep. Um, Sam Nicholson's doing okay in the states. I wouldn't say he's you know realised his maybe initial potential, but he's a solid enough career so far. But on the whole, I mean, you look at that team and how how a lot of them have progressed. Or a couple of them, you know, the you know, Jamie Hamill and Ryan Stevenson were obviously slightly older. But Jason look, Holt's now at St Johnston, yeah, isn't he? St Johnston and Rangers. Yeah. Um, so you look at that team going. Paul McCallum came off the bench. Scott Robinson made his 100th appearance. Who's actually doing doing all right with Livy now after a spell, a couple of tears down. But you look at that team on paper, and I know it's a dangerous thing to say on paper. We've said it too many times over the last year or so. But and you compare it to the team now, and you just the it's it's night and day when it comes to the actual fight. And the you know the, the determination, even the team spirit from or or so it seems from watching in the stands or watching on TV. Because that let's team... do something. Yeah. Right. No, no. Sorry with that team. You, you're right. It's it's a team that let's go through. Okay. And assuming right, well, this is where we can play the game of assuming everyone's fit mm-hmm. for Hearts nowadays. I'll give you the starting eleven. You tell me if you would put them in a combined eleven of that team. And the strongest Hearts team available right now, assuming everyone's fit. So, are you going Jamie McDonald, who was the goalkeeper, or Joel Pereira? I'd probably have to go McDonald, to be honest, right Me now. Me too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right back, Callum Patterson, or whoever. Yeah, you, you've got. To have oh no! Wait a minute. No. Oh, I mean, well, wait a minute. Are we, are we putting Michael Smith? As, uh, 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 um, this is the tough are one. We put, because, yeah. are, are we putting my? Are we putting Michael Smith as a centre-back? No, we have to put him as a right-back. And uh, Did Callum Patterson play right-back that he, day? It looks like he, he did. did. He did. He played, he played right-back that game. Which, you want to have Callum Patterson in there somewhere, but he's one of those where he was always better going forward. And he's now a central midfielder, basically. So, can we keep Callum Patterson in but not put him at right-back? <laughs> We'd have to move Michael Smith if we're playing by the rules. I think Michael Smith's a, a better defender than Callum Patterson, but oh, without a doubt. But, but you can't not have I'm, Callum Patterson in your team, can you? No. Oh. Put him up front. <laughs> right, so we'll, we'll put Patterson in somewhere. Okay. We'll find we'll find a spot. I think right Let, back, you, right back, you would go Smith, though. I think defensively, yeah. But we'll find Callum a spot. Kevin McHattie or uh, Aaron Hickey. Hickey. Okay. Uh, Dylan McGowan or John Souter? Souter. Okay. Danny Wilson 
or Craig Halkett? I'll go Halkett, but you know you could. He had a good. He had a good season when we were in the championship. I, 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 I probably right now, if you gave him the choice, I'd say Halkett. Okay, he, he, here's how we get Callum Patterson in. Jamie Hamill played that day, so we'll <laughs> pretend that he played it right back. So Hamill or Smith, you're going Smith. Um, right, uh, Glenn Whelan or Ryan Stevenson. Uh, you see. Uh... <laughs> different kind of players though Stevenson's one of the if, I mean if I looked at that team Patterson and Stevenson would probably be the two players that I would fancy sticking to this team maybe Nicholson depending on what system you're playing but um and, and you're McDon- right McDonald's so you're, we've said so you're right there's, there's probably three or four of that team maximum four and seven minimum of the current day squad. If you're doing an 11 out of that team that played against Hibs, which was fine, which was fine. But by the way, this is the weird thing. Even although we've only got three or four of that team against Hibs, I would take that team over the current team to beat Hibs in that game. Right now, yeah, with, with mm-hmm. if you take yep. yeah, man- the, the management and... I yeah. guess the the spirit then yeah the way we are just now I mean we obviously won at Easter Road which uh, but I guess Levine did still have for all his flaws you know we're talking about Gary Locke's flaws you know for all Levine's flaws he did have a good record against Hibs and often got us up for the derby. Um, Hart's biggest strength that day was Hibs' weakness. Yeah, true. I'm I'm not taking I'm not taking too much away from. We, we won at Easter Road. Hibs were as bad as us. We went into that game. Remember the podcast beforehand? We're like, yeah, I think we might win this. I'm not confident. But they were a gang as well. There wasn't a clear kind of they're much better than us. We're much better two, than them. Yeah, two poor teams. Two teams lacking that's in confidence. That's what it was. That's what, that's what it was. But I would take that team over the current team with everything taken in, with confidence and, uh, and whatever, because they might not have had the same skill levels as a lot of the current players, but they found a way. And it was, it was like they were in the trenches. It was like, okay, we know what's going to happen here, but we'll still be professional. We'll not down tools. You, couldn't, you could not accuse any one of those starters um, at, at uh, Tynecastle that day against Hibs of downing tools. They kept going right to the bitter end. And it's funny looking at Callum Patterson. He was 19 years old that day, and he was making his 62nd appearance <laughs> for Hearts. And it, it's, go, it's like me going back to Motherwell all those years ago when they were in administration or about to go into administration. They cut their cloth accordingly a bit too late, but they were giving guys like James McFadden and others after your Gorums and your Nevins and your Spencers had all come and gone. Your guys like James McFadden and other talented youngsters would never have got that experience had they not have been thrown in at the deep end. And guys like Callum Patterson, maybe he he would have because he was a he was a decent player. But a lot of these these players uh, had an opportunity. Your Harry Cochran's and um, a couple of years later, they got their opportunity um, when when they chose or when Hearts chose not to go anywhere else. And it, it was a it was a big help for them. Whereas now, as as a friend of mine said. 
Hearts are bringing in Aaron Hughes and 35, 36, 37-year-olds. And ultimately, it's just a stopgap. And it's, to an extent, it's stunting the growth of players like Cochrane and others who, who've been loaned out to Dunfermline. You've got to give them an opportunity. But how much of an opportunity do you give them? And it's, a, it's a, you have to look as well. You know, obviously they had that 15-point deduction. But Hearts had more points at the end of the season. They won more points than Hibs did. So if they hadn't, obviously they did have the 15 points, and it was fair enough. They went to administration. But that team, that, that team of kids who, a lot of them didn't really make it very far in the game, up against it like that. And they actually ended, they, they've got 38 points is what they would have got if they didn't have the, the minus 15. Hibs only got 35 points that season. They would have only actually missed out on staying up and actually avoiding the, even the playoff on goal difference. And that's only two points off seventh, off being the best of the bottom six. So it's like, you know, take away the the administration points deduction, Hearts are one win from finishing mid-table with that team, which I think says a lot because, yeah, there was, there was some horrendous runs of matches, especially over winter, where confidence was gone, you know, a couple of players out, and there was there was no depth in that squad, and there was very little, let's be honest, experienced quality. You know, yet Stevenson was a decent player, McDonald was a decent goalkeeper, Hamill, an average sort of top-flight player, but there was very little for those kind of youngsters to, to kind of to cling to when the going got tough. So I think... By, by it, the I, way, sorry... On you, I'll, I'll finish the sentence. No, after, no, uh, no, carry on. I'm, I'm looking at what you've just said. Um, add 15 on to Hearts, and Hibs go down. Hearts are in the playoffs, but get this. They're leveling points with Partick, I believe, according to what I'm looking at right now, 38 points. They've both conceded 65. Partick scored 46. Hearts scored 45. So they would have gone down... Uh, would have been in the playoff, sorry, the relegation playoff, I believe, if my maths are right and this website is correct, by one goal. But it would have been different in that we played St Mirren on the last day of the season and we drew 1-1. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how yeah, that's a good exciting, point. I, I suppose, it, it, it would have been? Because if Hearts had, with the 15 added on, if Hearts had beaten St Mirren, then we would have been safe. And you can't just add 15 on because that would have meant... A, it would have been different. Uh, I mean, the game against Partick on the Wednesday beforehand that we lost 4-2. Um, but going into the final weekend, Hibs lost at home to Kilmarnock. Imagine St Mirren Hearts was a kind of winner stays up. Losers at least um, in, in the playoffs. The drama that, that that would have been. So to end with the the, the kind of run that they did and, and the wins over Hibs... Um, I think I think a lot of, a lot of praise um, should should be bestowed upon them for for not giving up and just for battling and I tell you what you, you're you're going to go through a few things in your life um, but that was was not nice for many players and these these youngsters as you said that took the field against Hibs that day um, a lot of them were in their early twenties but they they and some of them were even teenagers but they experienced things in that campaign that experienced players in football will maybe never have gone through. It was a kind of grow, grow old quickly or, or get out because we need help and and you've, there's no excuses. There's no hiding places. I'm just doing some very quick maths just out of interest because we're talking over those 38 games. Hearts earned 38 points. 
which I make it, and I could be wrong because I've just been skimming through it uh, while you were talking for the last 30 seconds, I make that two more points than the current team have got over the last 38 games. Um, oh, really? Wow. Which uh, I could be wrong. It might be a point or two off here or there just because I quickly skimmed down. But either way, it's not much different. So th- that's telling. That's telling, you know, given the resources now. Um, but it's good to look back. And it was, it was a trying time. And I think... It's one of those where you, you you saw the Hearts fans rallied that season, um, even when it got really tough. They knew the club was in trouble. They you, you recognised that it was a team that just didn't have the experience or the quality to get the results, but they stuck behind the team as much as they could, uh, and I think it really helped the club because you know obviously they needed the fans keep, to keep coming back. They needed that as much revenue as they could to to help get through that administration period. And I think it helped, you know, if we'd went through that season and, you know, lost almost every single game, you know, being out of out of sight, which could well have happened, it could have went differently. If it, and I think even though we went down, just sticking in there for so long and getting those big results helped the club so much, I think, even long term. And I think it's, you know, you relate, you change it to now where the heart support have got that apathy. It's not just to do with results, but, you know, Football fans aren't stupid. You know, you can you can see when there's something just not right. It's not just a case of oh the players just aren't good enough. Some of them aren't good enough, but there's a deeper problem right now than just a lack of ability. I think, and that's far more. In some ways, I know it's not far more worrying because I don't think we're going to go out of business anytime soon. But it's a different type of worry, I think, to feel that apathy around hearts. And I just hope. I just hope it, it's something that can be corrected and be fixed by, by the next person who comes in. Agreed. And and as you're talking about the role that Hearts fans had, and as I mentioned earlier, having watched Billy King's winner again um, and, and seen what it meant to the, the fans in the stands, Hearts fans have still got a big part to play going forward. However, there has to be some semblance of hope. Yeah, they need some return. I mean, it can't all be about you. And it, I, can, I can fully understand how they've got to the point. And you're right about, um, you know, obviously, Ian, you're saying um, go into the Pennycook game instead. And I, I've spoken about it before. Many people I know not, not bothering in certain games because it's it's quite a big expense. Why would you Why would you spend, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, you know, whatever amount of money it could be on, on going to a football game, which is just absolutely miserable? So they need to have they need to be encouraged to come back, and I I do hope that you know when we get someone else in, you know they give them that backing and the time, and we we'll hope we get a reaction because it might not be a quick easy fix. You know, you, hopefully we get at least a a bit of a new manager bounce, but it doesn't always happen. Um, but we need to get this one right because we've we've had too many false dawns recently, both with maybe changes in terms of changes. Managerial, and we've had some results that we felt we'd kick on from. It just hasn't happened. So this is a big one. What happens next? It's a, it's a really big one. And the message is clear at St. Joseph. Not on this patch of Edinburgh land. Not in a derby. No relegation today. Okay, moving on. Before we go, we've spoken a bit about Rangers already um we're not going to go into the details we know rangers are a good side going for the title um 
you know, you know, neck and neck really with Celtic. Now um, we have done terribly against them recently. We had a decent enough result last time. Is is this game just a kind of write off? You know, let's just hope it's not too bad. Wow, um, are we in that situation? Yeah, probably we are. I mean, if, if there's no change in man, you know, if, and I don't expect there will be, you know, if Austin McPhee goes into into this game, how how does he approach it? Obviously, we don't know what his what his future is. I think most people are thinking it certainly wouldn't be his Hearts head coach long term. But does he feel it could be a hail, a hail mary? Oh, that's it's a question I don't I don't know the answer to. Uh, I mean, he'll, he'll he'll approach it as professionally as possible. Um, he'll have learned what worked and what didn't work from the last two games. He'll not, he'll not be going three up front again if he ever did. Uh, well, he did against St Mirren. I, I don't know. I mean, I think our biggest chance on Sunday is, is their complacency. Um, they, they've got a, a, a tough uh, Europa game. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Coming up, I think they go to Feyenoord, is it? They, they're in Rotterdam this week. Apparently they're taking 20,000 to Rotterdam. Gee, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine's a Rangers fan, and he was like, you boys went over. I was like, yeah. So what the Fire North fans like? I said, they're nuts. And they tried <laughs> to they, they, they tried to get a, pick a fight outside where a lot of the Hearts fans were drinking, and the Hearts fans are like, like it's like eight euros a pint. Piss off. Um, so they fought amongst themselves. They're, they're nuts. But it, it's a game that, I mean, Rangers have done really well. And the both Celtic Rangers have done really well. Celtic already through, but Rangers could do the result there. It's not a case of all oh, like Celtic. They they could maybe uh, he's got a niggle will rest them. They're going to have to play. So if that that makes it even more important, they're coming back from an away game in Europe on a Thursday night. They play us on a Sunday. We've we we've got to we've got to try and get in about them. And I don't know what it is. I mean. I, Remember I told you the last time we played Rangers and I'd avoided the score and watched it um, as live, I think, on Hearts website or something without knowing this. No, it was sports scene I watched it on. And once, I think there were two chances, Tavernier had an early chance before they got their first goal. And it was okay. You kind of know, I I think I said to you on the following um, week's podcast I knew from the first couple of highlights before they'd even scored yeah. what kind of game it was going to be. I think you'll be able to tell in the first five minutes. If if Hearts are up for it and, and get stuck in about them, um, I'm not saying they've got a chance, but it, it, at least you'll know that the next 85 minutes are, are potentially worth watching. Because if it's a if it's a roll over and tickle your tummy attitude again, um, then then it, we could be in the end of an absolute hiding. Yeah, I I agree. Um, the game after that now, um, for a couple of reasons, I don't know if we'll be recording again before the game after it because we have a midweek game at home to Livingston on the Wednesday. That's after. not the, that's to be be honest. That's not the real reason. You're taking your uh, laptop in to be cleansed of all the dirty um, <laughs> search hi- history, and you probably won't get it back till next Wednesday. That's the real truth, isn't it? Well, part of it, yeah. There's a problem with the <laughs> problem with the battery in the laptop. Ah, I saw there is. Um, and you're you've been hastily deleting your 
incognito files, <laughs> your search history, your cookies, um, and you can't speak too much loudly about it just now because your girlfriend's in another room and she's like, Lonnie, what were you talking about there? <laughs> yeah, you dirty boy. <laughs> this, this, this is more, more tits and ass. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we, anyway, we we might not be back on before wait, this. Wait, so wait, 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 wait. The living game is a big one. Do you think... They're all or, big. They're all, it's not bigger than the Rangers game. Nah, it but shouldn't be. But there's no pressure in the Rangers game. Not, nothing's expected. Do the, you the Livy the Livy game becomes how yeah. important do you think it is? Do you think we should try and do you hope because obviously we, neither of us know what stage or any potential discussions are? Um, do you hope we have someone in before the Livy game, which is just over a week away at the time of recording? Said, yeah, I said that first ten minutes of this show. I want an appointment Monday morning. Okay, I think that's important. If you if you're appointing before then, then fine. I don't want anybody taking charge on Sunday. I think Austin McPhee takes charge on Sunday. We've seen, I've seen it before. Um, I, I remember when Jim Jeffries eventually got the the Hearts job. I think Dar- we were away at Derby. We all went down to that, and he was he was in the stands for that. Again, that that's just an example. Um, it, it, if we do identify someone um, before Sunday, then even if it's Wednesday or Thursday, and I know we're recording this Tuesday night. I don't want that person in charge of Hearts for Sunday because no. the likelihood is it's going to be a defeat. But if we do a point before Sunday, I want him in the stands. I want him to see what he's got to work with. Definitely. And, and who? It's funny. The more, the more you can kind of change your mind sometimes when you talk. Um, I think ideally we have an appointment by Monday at the latest. But the more I'm kind of I'm talking, the more I'm thinking. If we get an appointment within the next two or three days before the Rangers game, albeit I don't want him in the dugout, it <laughs> might not be the worst idea if he is in attendance, which he surely would be if he was appointed this week, just to see what, what he's working for as a way of this might be the kick up the backside that the players need. Not to necessarily beat Rangers, because I, I think that's highly unlikely, but I kind of oh well my my position could be could be under threat. Yeah, I kind of I kind of um, before the game. Oh, just introduce you to Mister Whoever at New Boss, and he says, "Right, guys, I'll be watching you from the stands today." So, uh, yeah, just bear that in mind to be taking notes and 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 seeing how you all get on that type of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And and the Livy game, I mean. As much as Livy can be a tough outfit, I guess it's a team you kind of want to be playing because they've been they've been toiling recently. I mean, five defeats <laughs> out of six away from home. Come on, we, you know what we're you know what we're like. We're, we're oh, the benevolent I, fund. No. Oh, you struggling? Come and yeah. play us. Yes, I, I'm fully aware of that, Mister Donaldson. But what I mean is that if you're going to have a choice of a potential first game, it's not at Pataudry, it's not at Celtic Park, it's It'd not against a, like, like Jack Ross had against Motherwell. Yeah, it's not against a, an informed Kilmarnock team. You know, it's at home to a side who's struggling. Of course, of course, there's every chance that they could still come to Tynecastle and turn us over, but it's a fixture that you would, you know, there's maybe that and possibly, you know, St Johnston at home or Aki's at home, St Mirren at home. A fixture like that is what you want, I guess. Yes. It's, you've got as a good chance, a better chance than most games of getting a result, and that's what you kind of want. You want initial, a, a good, a good early, a good early start. So 
anyway, who knows what will happen. We're, we're hoping that by the time we're next on, we, we've got something to, to grip onto, something to be excited about. Um, and we're not just a couple of boobs talking about boobs. Huh. And, and just remember, <laughs> there's always someone in life who's worse off than you. Who's As Brora Rangers oh. have confirmed this <laughs> evening, a Morton supporter travelled 245 miles today <laughs> from Greenock up to Brora in the Highlands to find out that the replay that he was there to support Morton against Brora Rangers is in fact next Tuesday and not tonight. It's, so it's all about they boobs, have, this show. It's all about boobs. <laughs> they have offered him free admission to make up for his wasted journey. So free admission for being a yeah, it's just it's just it's just nice. I know. Was there know. not was there not an incident really uh, recently when fans went to the wrong country um, for an away game? There was. Well, there was a Celtic fan who went to Norway, I think, for the game against Molde when it wasn't. It was like the week before or something as well. I remember that. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, and there was another. There was another example of of um, they they went to the wrong country because they thought it was the wrong team. Uh, it happened. Yes, yes, yeah. I know which you know the you one mean. I can't remember. I, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. So that was a great example, which doesn't have an example. But anyway, for those of you who are going to Ibrox um, on on Sunday, I suppose. A lot of us have done that in the past. We've we've kind of gone through. I mean, you pretty much know you're gonna you're gonna get defeat, but they'll 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 sing their their hearts out and thank you basically. Thank you for on the behalf of everyone who is not going, whether they're overseas or whether they just can't be arsed. Um, yeah, that that's what that's what being a heart supporter is about. You you know what's likely to to happen, and it's it's games like that where you, you travel with very little expectation and hope from time to time, and I'm not talking about once or twice a season, I'm, I'm talking about once or twice a decade, you get a result and you're there to witness something that not many others see because they can't be bothered because they think their team's going to get gubbed. It's not going to happen on Sunday. But if it does, yeah, it's enjoy. Not, it's, it's not, but no. yeah, you never know. And um, yeah, maybe the next time we'll, we'll, we'll have a manager. Who knows? I hope so, Laurie. I hope so. Until then, thank you for tuning in and lasting this long. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, see you next time. <laughs>